3: State of mind. It's 1230 30 therefore it's the Axon Bulletin I am going to do my best to stand in for Laura Bradburn That is a difficult task on a Friday afternoon Um, That is temporary, Laura will be back with us on Sunday for the game I'm joined by Tony Haggerty and Jim Warr And can I just say lads, it's an absolute pleasure to join you It doesn't happen often enough on a Celtic state of mind mm. How's your week been? Jim Warr, I'll start with you How's your week been? Yeah, you top up with the cold, apart from that Alright, mm. yep yeah. Alright Remember for months, it was, how's your week been? Ah, it's been great, apart for Celtic. Oh, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. we've got an hour to talk about that. Tony, mm-hmm. how about yourself? You've been busy in yourself preparing yourself for Sunday. I think yeah. I think there must be between eight and ten of the Axom troops got tickets for Sunday, I think, going by the yeah, track group.
4: I think a few of them are going. Obviously, I'm going in a professional capacity for the Celtic way. So I was uh, on the AirPod this morning and I said that, uh, the most important thing had arrived, my my cup final parking ticket. That's all that really mattered. <laughs> you know not got a car parking and Space Yard. We're up against it, but I managed How to the get other
5: half How the other half lives? How the other half I, I know, Jim,
4: you, Jim, we've got to park in Astor and risk a ticket. Jim, it's Is not this, even accreditation it? for the game. It's a car parking ticket, so I, might, I still might not get in.
5: At this time of year, I think we have to remember the elderly who don't have tickets for the cup final, like like (laughs) your pal here. So he'll be wandering up there looking for a spare ticket. So please keep us in your thoughts. Let's do
3: that, right? We're, we're, We're 90 seconds in. We're 90 seconds in. Let's put out a wee call for Jim Orr who will be in and around Hamden Park on Sunday. If you've got a ticket, because I've seen a few, I've seen a few on Twitter uh, saying I can't go or I don't want to go because of everything that's happening. If you've got a ticket that Jim can utilise, let us know. And if I miss your comment, because it sometimes gets a bit busy, give us a DM, email us, do all of that kind of stuff, Jim. We'll get you to the game.
5: Save the elderly, yeah, good, thank
3: you. <laughs> Help the aged, as Help Paul once said. Help
5: the aged, yes. <laughs> yes. We're a fast declining demographic, so, uh, you know, mm, you know, it's not the same watching a couple on the telly, that's all I'll say, that's my, that's
3: my appeal. <laughs> it's not the same watching the games on the telly, Jim, and somebody actually asked me the question the other, the other night we were watching the Ross County game, why aren't you at the game, Paul? And I said, well, because I'm here, because I'm covering the game. I, I should mm. be at the games We've got the tickets for the games. um, And, you know, to ensure that Axon covers the games, we are forced at the moment to do it in this scenario. We'd like to do it maybe at the stadium. Um, I, I know that, for example, Celtic Fans TV do a brilliant Broadcast after the stadium, having a wee chat to the fans. So we're not going to do that because that—that's Celtic fans TV. Do okay. that so so well. But we we tried a few different things, and we would like to broadcast in the future. Jim's came up with a few ideas. It's something we'll continue to look at. Hopefully, once we're through this next stage of the development of the, the COVID because we know that that is a, a moving target at the moment. If anything happens, because I know that Nicola Sturgeon was being um, or giving mm-hmm. rather a briefing at 12.15, anything that affects the football on Sunday, give us a shout on the comment section and we will try and bring in as much as possible. We're going to look back at the midweek game and the aftermath, Tony, because you and I got some stick for our comments on Starfelt <laughs> and we're going to look ahead to Sunday and Koglu's uh, first cup final in scotland he was spotted, jim um with this is a narrative that appeared as on twitter he's out with geo but we had uh, a pair of eyes on the situation in said restaurant stroke cafe wherever wherever it was in the west end of glasgow and we know that they weren't out they just bumped into each other didn't they for a week, for a moment or two
5: that's your Declan McConville with his Ange tracker. He just tracks Ange down. Wherever he is, Declan's no far behind. Yeah, so uh, interesting photograph. Wonder what they were saying to each other. I
3: know.
4: I mean, the I thing is. Ange tracker or Ange stalker? There's a guy kind of line both. there with Declan, isn't there? You know what I mean? It's uh, Both. Aye, both. Wherever Ange goes, Declan goes, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit worried. And if I was Ange, I'd be worried, you know? Honestly,
3: the, the yeah. amount of images that we've seen of we Deck and Ange. If you're in the comment section, Deck, come on. Fight your corner, fight your corner. The thing is, though, Tony, you've got your, uh, you know, going on 22, 23 years experience within Scottish journalism. In the past, there were occasions where managers of both sides were pals. We we know that. We know that Tommy, Tommy Burns and Walter Smith were pals. We know that, right? Uh, and we know that players during Henrik Larson's era would meet up, Celtic and Rangers players would meet, meet up. There's also been... The opposite of that. It wouldn't be a massive surprise
4: to you, though, if, if they were quite friendly, would, would it? What's the problem with this? I, I've, I've got no issue with this all too, at all. The Celtic Rangers manager are sitting down in a cafe speaking to each other. It doesn't matter for how long it's for. Well, why has anybody get a problem with this? I think it's a great thing. I'd like to see more of it. Because you know, there's more that unites you than divides you in terms of football. You know, that's the way it should be, should it not? Are, 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 am, am I reading it wrong? What, is Anne's not allowed to have a a coffee or a sit-down with you? Have Anne been wrong? Where's what, what, the problem here? Someone I don't, I don't think,
5: think it's an issue, Tony, but you're thinking, what's the chances of that happening?
4: Well, then, uh, plus, Declan's there as well. well <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for the new show, Anne Deck. You know what That's I mean? That's a double act. But aye, I mean they—they they were speaking, they were—they were pictured. It's, it's blown into some kind of big, big story, is it really? Celtic Rangers manager half coffee. I, I think uh, I, think, month I month. think Ange Ange would even be surprised at that,
3: would he not? The reaction to it. I mean, Van Bronckhorst knows this as a player. Yeah. He, know, he knows he knows the city, which is important. But and this is new to Ange, isn't it? This, this
4: yeah. being under the microscope to this degree, isn't it? I I, I think he would be surprised at the kind of furor or uproar that it, it created with a picture of two men from the opposite sides of the city in terms of their footballing you know, proclivities, you know, and management. But you know, it's two guys just having a coffee and talking football no doubt, and talking about their respective teams. I'm all for that. I'm all for uh, players doing the same thing, and I'm all for supporters mingling and mixing and getting along. uh, As I say, I, I have no issue with it at all.
3: Talking about supporters getting on... Tony, it is all about the positivity. We know only too well over the last year how people have suffered um, at the hands of COVID and the mental health issues that that brings. And you see on online a lot of the time people coming to us directly, Tony, saying that, you know, even something like a one hour show of Celtic fans talking together with a community, people commenting, helped them through some, you know, worrying times and, uh, when it comes down to it, that's that's what it's all about. It's about the community aspect of it, isn't it? It's not about negativity online, the online harassment and bullying that a few members of Axom have been subjected to over the piece. So I totally get that. And as I say, thanks, everybody, for the messages. We do get a lot of messages coming through from people who listen into the shows. Uh, Paul Cockwell, we know, is a <laughs> hippie. He's a hibby, and I'm going to bring him up as the first commenter today. Uh, talking about changes, don't play Roderick McGregor or Joe Hart, give you a chance. Um <laughs> Right. Come on now, Paul. Uh, let's let's have a look at Ross County, the game against Ross County now that the dust is settled. Talking about Ferraris, I'm gonna to come to yourself first. Jim Moore, 97th minute winner. Everybody complained about it. The newswriters were were writing their copy before the winning goal went in. We seemed to annoy quite a few people by, by winning that game. Malky McKay included.
5: I think it shows you how one goal can just change everything. I think if it did end up one each, I think there'd be a different narrative for everyone in the yeah. last few days. Uh, you score a goal like that and there's lots of people that said that could change the season. Uh I said before the game on the WhatsApp uh, Max Home chat that you know this could be a pivotal game because of the fact with so many injuries and I've not been a big fan of Abada, but I said it was good to see Abada playing through the middle and hopefully Abada would step up and we by you guy did step up. I thought I thought I thought we played pretty well. Uh, apart for the first probably five minutes or so, I think Ross County looked up for it. And then bit by bit, we start playing our game. And then, uh, should have been two or three goals up at half time. Uh, better team by miles. They bring on a couple of physical guys. That kind of changed that wee bit, but lose a silly goal. Harsh sending off. Uh, big man stuck three at the back. Played with 10 men. We were the better team, dominant team. Uh, could have scored another two or three goals. Should have got a penalty. Uh, the guy puts two hands up to the ball, uh, but there's your camera straight away buying Tony Rossen goal. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, if we hadn't scored the goal, I think he'd have been doom and gloom in the kind of, uh, kind of the Celtic state of mind family. Uh, but uh, getting the goal just 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 keeps us on the keeps us on our coattails, and, that, and that's what we need to do. Uh, again, a shocking in performance uh, yeah. every game. I think we're saying the same thing, uh, and I'm sure it's not just Celtic fans that are saying that. I mean, you see the the Aberdeen Saint John'son game last week. You're thinking this is awful, you know. So, mm-hmm. and there's lots of money at stake, not just at the top of the table, the bottom of the table as well. I mean, that that goal last week could relegate Saint John'son at the end of the season. So, something has to be done about, about referees. But in terms of Ross County, just go up there and get the points. And uh, there's nothing like a last minute winner, not even a last minute winner, ninety six minute winner, and that just I just like cheers everyone up. So. Uh, Keep on the coattails till we get to set second of January, year.
3: Yeah, 96 minutes and five seconds, I think it was. So we crept into the 97th minute, Tony, which annoyed a few people as well. But when we look back on some pivotal seasons in Celtic's history, and I think back to the centenary year, I think back to the season that Jim knows only too well when we <laughs> uh, won the league under Wim Janssen, and there's certain games, and some of them, sometimes you look at them almost as sometimes turning points and other ones... Absolutely pivotal to the fit, and I know people will say every point is pivotal to the outcome, of course it is, but that could so easily have been a draw uh, on Wednesday night. And I think last season it probably would have been a draw. I'm not having to dig at any of the personnel last season, but there does seem to be a completely different approach and a different belief in the team that Ange is building here, Tony.
4: I wrote a piece yesterday in the Celtic way about Tony Ralston being kind of Celtic's answer to Royal Rovers, but just that team channeling the 1988 spirit, Billy McNeil-Foster, kind of ragtag and bobtail team that he cobbled together to try and beat high-spending Rangers, and they did. And their 40, their modus operandi was last, last second goal, last gas goals. I was even quoting Billy Connor. remember he did that, thing we skipped him out, William McIlvaney in the jungle, they were standing at the barriers. And he was asking him about that indomitable spirit that that centenary team had. And Billy Connor said, There was guys in the jungle saying, It's all right, there's a minute and a half to go. We'll still win this. It was the manifestation of 90 minutes, don't let go. And I just channeled that as well. And you look at that goal the other night, three things about it own Moffat. Trust the process. Why mm-hmm. didn't he want to be a have a goal hero? And a, and a, you know, a, a young guy. The temptation's there to blast one over the bar, or you know, try and try and do something heroic. Shunted it to McGregor, who knew, and who then shunted it to to Rogic. Last chance. This is your last chance. And Rogic does the rest. Twinkle toes beats a guy, hangs it up, and Anthony Ralston's. I think he's took a run and jumped a trampoline before he's headed that ball into net because the height he was up. Mm-hmm. And that was just desire, application, effort, and a will to win. Celtic just refused not to win that game the other night. Nothing less than a win was going to do them. And it didn't matter when it came. They pummeled Ross County with 10 men. And you, you look at that centenary season, and, and I picked a few out. Joe Miller's goal at Boxing Day at Tanadice, which I was at that game, fell down the stairs, never actually saw it, but I knew it hit the back of the net because the crowd went mental. You know, there was a Paul McStay goal and a 2-2 draw against Hearts, pile driver for the edge of the box. There was the two goals in the Scottish Cup semi-final and Martin McGee and Andy Walker, yeah. two goals in the last four minutes. And then there's McIverney's last-minute winner in the Cup final itself, where Billy McNeil said the fairy tale thing about that. And it's a similar, you can see similar things happening with this Ange team and the way it's kind of fallen into place. And as Jim said, there, there, there's nothing like a last-minute goal does not matter what minute its 97, it is, ninety six, ninety seven. It doesn't matter, but there's nothing like that to give you that. It's like a shot of adrenaline, isn't it? Everybody, yeah. you see, the narrative is completely changed to a joyous one from from a doom and gloom one. And uh, it doesn't matter how you do it. Celtic just have to win. And in the centenary season, they just uh, they just dug out ways of winning games. You know, there was was people were saying, "It's all right. There's a minute to go." We'll create a chance, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bit similar here, you know. So, uh, yeah, I you uh, have to salute that, basically. You know, I also, Paul, medicine. you
5: have to ignore the noise, Paul. I mean, you talked about, mm-hmm. you know, ruffled a few feathers. These are people that are not worth listening to, you know. As I said before, don't argue with idiots because they'll, they'll bring you to their level. Don't listen to idiots. I mean, there's, there's Malky Mackay on at the end of the game. You mean- yep you are playing against 10 men. I mean, if you want 20 minutes injury time, surely going won't win the game and he's complaining. You know, so these are just idiots, basically, you know.
4: I was, I was delighted with the way they played with 10 men. Yes. Yeah, After absolutely. Yeah. With 10 men, I mean, they humbled mm-hmm. them and they deserved the goal and they end up, mm-hmm. as Jim said, I mean, what's more blatant than a guy putting his hands out like that, the two hands, to stop a, a ball going towards the opposition
3: goal? Mm-hmm. See, the thing, Tony, you mentioned that interview, that interview between Billy Connolly and Michael Vanni mm-hmm. in the old jungle was used in the absolutely brilliant BBC video, uh, which was the official Celtic centenary video, which I got in the, the Christmas of uh, sorry, eighty-eight. the Christmas of eighty eight uh, by which time, of course, we were into the following season, which wasn't as memorable. But I must have watched that a million times. And being the anorak that I am,
6: Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: To track down all the old VHS tapes, because they're dead stock, they're never going to be put on DVD, a lot of them. And just recently... I was working on this one. You remember the old Celtic collection? As if by magic. Mm -hmm. Look at that on the back. Yeah. Chairman Kevin Kelly with a message to the Celtic support. This was the brainchild of Terry Cassidy, the Celtic Mm -hmm. collection. This was Celtic creating content, 90s style. And we're going to be doing a few things over Christmas when I wouldn't expect anyone to be dialing in um, to do some bulletins, but we will be putting content out on the channel, mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, et cetera, with a twist, and it'll be part of the on retrospective. There is a point to this, Jim, because I was watching this with interest the other day, and there was a section on there about saver Our and mm-hmm. some of the content uh, within that video was all about the saver Our meeting. Uh, now, remind me, was it Sheth- Shettleston Halls it was that. That's
5: correct, Paul, yeah. Yeah.
3: Now, the reason I bring it up is obviously we have spoken in the past that you were involved in that movement hugely. And please, for anyone who hasn't watched or listened to the interview that we did with Jim a, a while back, that was the first time I met you, I think, Jim, um, yeah. check it out on the YouTube channel. It's very informative and we've done a few follow-ups with Willie Wilson, Tom Grant, David Lowe and others. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because we still have that backdrop of um, disdain and amongst the Celtic support. And I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you uh, at this stage, because you've experienced a movement, a street movement, and the pitfalls mm-hmm. of that. You've, you've told me that some fans were for you, some were dead against it, etc. We've come to this moment where I would have expected some kind of um, engagement, I think, between the club and the fan base, uh, in relation to the appointment of um, Higgins. What's your thoughts now? What happens next on this one? Because, I mean, the Celtic fans were in fine voice and in <coughs> full voice on Wednesday. We spoke about the energy levels that that seems to inject into the side. A 97th minute winner. How much was that down to the momentum push that you get from the fans? Well, obviously, uh, we've experienced a couple of two games um, of silent protest. Still nothing from the club. What do we do next? What happens next, do you think? It's a good question. Uh,
5: If you ask the question, should the fans do anything uh, if they're not happy about something, 100% yes. Uh, I'm sure everyone, most people have heard the testimonies that they've been on Twitter of some of the fans who have their lives completely ruined by the uh, Offensive Behaviour Football Act. Just quite, quite shocking. And if the person... The club are potentially thinking of appointing was right up in the middle of that. Then I think that's a that's a, that's that's a good a reason to protest. Uh, but if you if if, if you are going to protest, I think there's a few things you don't want to do. You don't want to antagonise your own fans, and you don't want to affect the team. And I think this protest has done both mm. of those. So I think that's been a bit unfortunate. And I think if you're going to protest, then it has to be an effective protest. That what happens at the end of it, something actually happens, and. To be honest, if I'm in mean back here, I'd be sitting back thinking, be as silent as much as you want, guys. It doesn't affect me. All you're doing is antagonising your fellow fans, and you're affecting the team. I mean, the Celtic team shouldn't need fans to win games of football, but certainly the Livingston game, where that was the game where we're going to get within two points if we win it. it was a huge game, and then it was it was it was uh, quite 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 that first 30 minutes. And I know that fans, you know, should be able to sing themselves, and don't depend on the GB etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but but that should have been a game everyone gets behind the team and can raise the roof and, and go to those two points. So I'm not so sure how effective a silent protest is. I'm not so sure how effective throwing tennis balls onto the park is. I think the only thing that affects boards is cold, hard cash. And I think the fact that season ticket money's in the bank, so that's not going to affect it. So you're then looking at maybe match day income. Uh, what's the match day income? The paradise windfall money, match programmes, the catering outlets, etc. I've no idea how much money that brings in. I don't know, what, 40, 50 grand a match, maybe, who knows. But unless you have people in the pockets, they're not going to be worried. Because, as I said, if if I mean bankier, would I be bothered with this? I don't think I would be. If I mean bankier, it doesn't affect me. And as I said, I think all you're doing, I mean, there was a wee bit last Sunday where fans were actually shouting over, you know, you can stick your silent protest, you know, where the sun doesn't shine type of thing. So, again, all that's done is. Antagonise fellow fans, a wee bit of friction mm-hmm. in there, which is not great. And and then there was some stories during the week. You know, I had Uranovich after the game saying that the, 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 the players were talking about silence. So so basically, if I think if you're in bank here, you will you would lap this up because I think it's a wee bit of an own goal. I understand why they're doing that, hundred percent. And I think they should do it if uh, this guy Higgins is uh, <coughs> about to kind of turn up at Celtic Park, they should do it. I'm
3: not so sure this is the best way of doing it. You remember back in the day, Jim? What kind of backlash from some sections of the Celtic fans did you guys get?
5: Well, it not like modern day social media type thing. I mean, everything was pretty much manually done. So you're, you're handing out flyers, and you know, for every second person, first person will say, we're done, sir," so, next person will say, "You know, they for off." You know, this is this is Celtic. What you what you can never do is is tell Celtic supporters what to do can't do that. You can't, Celtic, you can't say to Celtic supporters, you should not go to this match. You've no right to tell people that. All you can do is let people figure it out for themselves. And if back in in 1990, you could see that uh, the club needed saved at that point in time. There's an interesting article in the Celtic Wiki, uh, which I saw just a few years ago talking about mm-hmm. the name Save Ourselves and it was quite plaintive or a Celts for Change was a bit more dynamic, etc. But, but back then, Celtic needs saved. Mm-hmm. And Fergus McCann saved he didn't he didn't change Celtic. He saved Celtic, you know. And at the moment, at this current time, we need A Celts for change. We need somebody to change things. We don't, we don't need saved because <coughs> we're a well-run club. We've got you know serious money in the bank. Yeah. It's just the people who are running the club, I think there's a bit of a lack of vision there. I don't think they stand up for the club, and there's there's countless examples of that. How you change that, I'm not so sure because you're dealing with billionaires now, and it's a completely different ballgame because back then. You are dealing with a few families who inherited their shares, and with the best will in the world, when, when uh, people inherit their shares, that doesn't mean that they're best placed to right. manage the business. And that's what we had back there. So, these weren't rich people, they were people who just wanted to stay at Celtic Park, understandably so. But I think they were easily got at when people like David Lowe come along, and Brian Dempsey come along, and and Fergus McCann come along. I think they're easy to get at. You don't, you don't you're not going to get it, Dermot Desmond and these kind of guys, you know. And I understand what the Celtic Trust are doing in terms of shares but i think that's a, that's a that's a long way away as well in terms of yeah. the number of shares they've got so i think it's a very difficult thing uh, and there isn't maybe a lot to do and i think you know fans are frustrated and and i think they're doing some things just now that maybe from a personal point of view i think i'd have done something a wee bit different than that but even if you do something different i'm not kind of sure how successful you're going to be with us so it's a very really long-winded answer
3: No, but it's appreciated where you have in the specialist knowledge, and I'm intrigued by that period of the club's history. And like you say, we can't compare as such uh, because we were on our knees and there was no sign of the major major changes that were required. For example, mm-hmm. a new stadium. We didn't have people at the club at that time, Jim, who could come up with the the cash required for a new stadium. Um so we needed saved. Absolutely. We don't need saved now, but there definitely is a change required in the boardroom at Celtic. Now let's get back to some of the performances during the week because these will uh directly impact Sunday's game. <coughs> Kaplow, Mark, comes in. Ralston and Rodjick's performances have proved how inept a previous manager was. Would you go with that, Tony, or is it how good our current manager is?
4: i go with uh, how good our current manager is. I've touched upon it before. The, the performances that he's managed to drag out of Tom Rodjick and Tony Ralston has been inspirational. It's all down to man management. <coughs> Just giving guys the confidence and the belief to go out there and do what they do. Uh, Rogic is now playing 90 minutes consistently and he's kind of bossing it, isn't he? Whereas he he would play like for an hour or whatever and play back parts here and there. But he's now, he's strung everything, he's married everything together with performances, consistency, goals, big moments, big game player. The player that we always thought was there but wasn't the sum of all the parts. So now that Matt has managed to get the, some of all the parts, which is terrific and Celtic, are reaping the benefit, and he's only 29, remember? So he has a, another few years, possibly at his peak, to play at this football club, thankfully. Ralph is, is just miraculous, really, isn't it? It's just a meteoric kind of rise, and, uh, and well done to him. Just well done, and well done to the manager and just giving that boy... The fuel and the energy and the mental fortitude. Jim said it earlier block out the noise. Don't argue with idiots and don't argue with people. And I'd have been one of those people that would have argued because I genuinely said, and I've said it before, that I, I didn't think Ralston was good enough. <laughs> change my tune on that one. You know, he's made everybody who was maybe of that opinion change their tune on that uh, through no fault of the manager as well. I mean, the manager's. He has uh, performed miracles with both of those players, but seeing something that others maybe didn't see, and letting them go out there and express themselves, and uh, and the two of them have just they bought into they're buying what Angie's selling, and it's worked out to both their uh, betterment and to Celtic's uh, betterment as well because they're two pivotal players in the team now, and probably with Joe Hart first three put down if all three are fit
3: See the thing when you're talking about Tony Ralston I look at um, what was Tony Ralston prior to this season he was a whipping boy and by the age of 21 I mean he had made his debut at 17 but by the age of 21 he had made 10 appearances for Celtic and you know he made one appearance last season and you know After that, he just disappeared again. And you talk about mental fortitude. I can't think of a player that's had a similar trajectory as Tony Ralston's had. He comes in, he's a contemporary of Kieran Tierney. So they're roughly the same age. You've got Tierney down the left. You knew you wouldn't have a similar down the right. But he comes into the side and he's a a young hopeful. makes his debut. Another one of the the legacy um, players of of Ronnie Dyler, makes his debut under Ronnie. But then he's in and out the side. And you remember that image against Barcelona, uh, against uh, Neymar at PSG, rather. Uh, and it didn't look as though it was ageing well. But I see that popping up again because that grin on his face, he, he's got the right to have that grin on his face. But at the age of 21, he's made 10 appearances. At the age of 21, Callum McGregor hadn't kicked the ball for Celtic. And look at him now, he's the captain of the club. And I think that both of those players are shining examples of any young player coming through. And a lot of them have already uh bitten the bullet, a lot of them have already left the club before they play for Celtic. But that patience, Jim, I think that players want it now. They want all the, you know, the fame, the adulation, they want the games, they want it early. But look at those two players, albeit Ralston Mary's debut at 17. By the age of twenty one, he'd made ten appearances for Celtic. By the age of twenty one, Callum McGregor hadn't played for Celtic. And I think they can be used as examples for the young guys coming through.
5: I think there's two things with Tony Ralston for me One is the the way we're playing uh, And this inverted fullback I think, suits him down to the ground And I recall watching games early in the season And just watching where Tony Ralston was He was in the centre circle and He was taking the ball and pointing to the left, pointing to the right And i thinking this is a, a whole new ball game for him But secondly, the most important thing I think Is having a run of games in the team I think any player who's in the Celtic Academy Is a good player Is an exceptional player uh, give them game times and let's, and let's see what they're like and if you hear Tony Ralston you get a game here and a game there it's really hard to build anything up momentum, confidence or anything and that's why I know before Tony jumps on Mikey Johnson this week Mikey Johnson somebody for me I think has to give. you have to give him eight or nine games to see what he's like because Tony Ralston has shown that I'm going to make a wee point because I wasn't on last week about Dundee United game uh, easily the best domestic performance of the season I thought I uh, thought the one before that was uh, the first half at Hibs, and people said Tom Rodgick was was the, was the kind of common denominator of those games. Mickey Johnson played both of those games. Uh, Yota on the other wing against Hibs, and uh, Forrest on the wing against United. Very rarely this season did we play two out-and-out wingers who took players on. is never a winger; doesn't take players on. Good up the middle, but there was two games were the best games of the season with two wingers who took people on, who frightened defenders, who defenders had to had to then double up against them, which then create space. Who's going to take advantage of the space? Enter Tom Rodjick. You know, so I think players, long winded you again, I think players need a number of games and then you can assess do you think they can make it or no. I think coming in and playing a game here and a game here, especially for a team like Celtic, 60,000 fans on your back straight away, games that you have to win, high risk games, I think it does take a lot of mental fortitude to do that. But I think what Tony Rawson's had this year is a number of games in the team and he's shown he's a good player. He is a good player and he's playing in a system that suits him. And I think uh, because of the demands of Celtic, younger players maybe don't get that chance to play 9, 10 games, you know, in succession. And I think that's one of the major things this season. We see how good a player he is and long may that continue.
3: That's a good point, particularly on Tommy Roderick. Because when you look at uh, the games that Roderick has played this season, Uh, You know, he has already matched his final tally in terms of appearances for last season, said this other day, and he's made three more appearances than he did in the previous season, where he only made 22 appearances for Celtic. So you get that game time, Tony, and you get a bit of, uh, you know, form and a bit of confidence. Uh, so would you agree with Jim, or have you seen enough when it comes to Mikey Johnson? I've got my own theory on Mikey. I think he needs to do what Christy and, and to a lesser degree Ralston have done. They went away and they worked on their physical mm-hmm. attributes, you know, and they came back as better players. I mean, you you compare a picture of Tony Ralston now to that picture when he's in front of Neymar. And look at his shoulders. He's went away and worked. And he's a far more athletic player. He's a strong player. You can see that. He was always quite a a hefty player when it came to the physicality. But he has worked on it. Mikey Johnson, I don't think has. And I don't think Lewis Morgan did either. Hence the reason he left the
4: club. See, if you need to be told that, then there's something no there in your makeup. And I get what Jim's saying about Mikey Johnson. But I don't think Mikey Johnson played particularly well against Hibs or Dundee United. He never made. I thought, he did. I thought he did. Sure enough, that's a that's, that's, that's matter of opinion, isn't it? I don't think he was particularly telling against Dundee United, maybe slightly better than the Hibs game. But uh, I, I think Mickey Johnson could benefit from maybe going on loan to somewhere and getting that extended run of games because I just don't see him getting it with Celtic because he's had, in my opinion, a lot of chances. To try and nail down a regular first team place and he's just failed to convince all the time there's just something lacking there i just i don't see it but some people do that's fine and that's that i guess that's that's what makes it the game it is but i just don't see mikey johnson featuring in that celtic team long term <laughs> When we're I'm talking not saying. Of,
5: sorry, I'm just to clarify I'm not saying Mickey Johnson should be in the team. I'm just saying I think it's hard to game. assess the guy unless he's yeah. had nine or ten games and we've had in succession. I, I think. I think he's been in and out of the team, and I think to, to get back to the dungeons and, and 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 the Hibs game, you don't even have to take players on if they know you've got the skills to get beat, to get to, to get past someone. They're a bit more weighty. Yeah, you yeah. Know, if I you're like playing against a badger, like, so they're going to double up, and then all of a sudden, creates space. I still didn't see him making
4: telling contributions, and
3: either of those games. When we're looking at the that area of the park, I think it's one of the biggest dilemmas Andrew's going to face on Sunday. Who do we play left? Who do we play right? Now Jim, for a while you've been saying that Abad is not a right-sided player and I think everybody was. It was your name was on the tip of our tongues during the match day coverage on Wednesday night because Abad opens the scoring uh, because you've been saying for a while play him through the middle. We played it through the middle and he was effective. Uh, Montgomery wasn't as effective on the left I don't think Juranovic was all that effective on the right so there, there's obviously quite a few different uh, mm. factors in this in terms of the fitness of several players but how do we face Hibs? I mean, you know, the, the point yesterday the, the discussion we had with Kevin Graham and J.P. Mason yesterday was about the fact that Hibs, one of if not their most dangerous players will be playing down the right so it's important that we get that right, if you like, it's probably due to that fact that I think Djuranovic is going to revert back to left-back. I don't know if Montgomery will remain in front of him, but Djuranovic, I feel, will be playing left-back, Abada on the right, and that that's all based on Kugel being fit. Is it a concern for you, Jim, going into Sunday's game that we're, we're playing with Montgomery with his lack of experience, not a great game behind him on Wednesday night, and on the right-hand side, Djuranovic is completely out of position?
2: Based on Cox analysis of UCLA Speed Test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas visit visitcox.com/internet for details.
6: This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: Playing in that, in that role, because once he has to cross the ball, it shows that he's out of position. I think
5: we're kind of down to the bare bones in terms of players, so we have to play the cards that we've got. I think uh, is Greg Taylor back? She injured. Or, was he was back? on the bench on Wednesday, so he'll be. I'd fit. play him. I'd, I'd I'd play him. I think he's a. Uh, I think. Uh, I think with Martin Boyle on that wing, I think Taylor's a better tackler than skills. He's a more experienced player, so I would go for Taylor against uh, Boyle there. Uh, I'm bring bringing Roger for Beton, I think, and if nobody else can come back, they'll just. Is available to come back if Kyogo comes back, then obviously we've got that's maybe move a badder to the right and leave it. Juranovic, because as you said, I thought Juranovic was really poor the other night. Uh, final ball was awful. And uh, Montgomery wasn't great. I mean, it's, it's kind of strange that when he plays further back and comes forward, he looks really good, but when he plays yeah. further forward, he's maybe not as good as you think he is. But maybe he's having a weed up in confidence as well. But but he would also help tracking back against Boyle because he's a left footed player. So I think if there's if there's no more injured players coming back, I think that'd be my two changes. Taylor for Scales and logic uh, for Beton.
3: Is that an option, Tony, for Scales to push up to where Montgomery was? Because, I mean, we were singing his praises at half-time and a lot of the comments we got at full-time were completely different. But he has played there. He's played there for his previous club, uh, Shamrock Rovers, of course.
4: Well, it is an option, but I don't know. I just think, I don't think Yogo will be, will start. He might be on the bench at a push. But I just think that Andrew will throw a curveball in there. Because I was writing my team down this morning, and I've got Hart and goal, Juranovic right-back, Starfield, Carter-Vickers, centre-backs, Taylor at left-back. I think Beaton will miss out, because you will go with Roderick Turnbull and McGregor. That'll mm-hmm. be through the middle. <laughs> and I think he might throw a flanker and play and further forward. Because as Jim said there, is for final ball, in the wing positions was terrible the other night. Mm-hmm. Ralph's a much better crosser. You've got width at Hamden, right? Mm-hmm. And see if you've got Ralphson further forward, you've also got the added chance that Ralphson will score as well. It's just mm-hmm. a thought. And because Ralphson's got five goals and five assists this season. Mm-hmm. Right? He's actually pretty good going forward. And I think because of your lack of personnel, he might throw a spanner in the work just to kind of out fox and play Ralston further forward. I'm, it's very hard to second guess the manager, but and then I don't know. He, he might even uh, keep Moffat, you No, know, because he played at the end and did what he was told. You know, on the other flank, uh, and I quite liked Moffat. I thought he he was quite tidy. You know, I was like going to ask.
3: You know? I was going to ask on the back of the point Jim made uh, <clears throat> about players needing games. Yeah. Moffat comes on, does well, part of the goal, like you say, kept his cool yes. and just
4: laid the ball off. These are the um, of things that you know, right mm. in front of the manager's eye for <laughs> a cup final. And you think to yourself, do you know what? You've got you got the memo there, son. You know, you you didn't do anything stupid because the temptation was for Moffat to blast that, try and be a, a last minute hero, but no. You just you can't underestimate that quickness of thought, because the clock's ticking down, he's a young guy, it's a game that Celtic must win, and he kept his composure, I wee dink, just a side, you know, square pass, and, you know, it's a pressure situation, but he gives it to his captain, because he knows his captain is going to shunt it out wider to, to Rodrik, and then you're thrown into the mixer, and Ralston made it his own, which, again, that desire, and I, I just think that, you know, I think we're fine at the back with Urana, and Taylor. I just think Ralston would be more effective <laughs> for this game in a in a more prominent role forward. Could be completely wrong. I mean, Ralston plays anyway, regardless if he plays right back or yeah, right, or, or wide right. But he, he plays in my team anyway, hmm. so it's just the, the manager uh, fitting the rest round about that. But I, I would, I think, a lot of the scouts might want to see him further forward because he's he's got very good I mean the game against Dundee, where he set up the hat-trick of goals didn't he? He's got the best delivery if
3: if you're comparing him against Juranovic and Abada down that right-hand side I mean
4: Juranovic the the other night his delivery was deplorable and I think at one point it came through in the the, the commentary you heard and screaming at him for one Mm. that he put in and it was put it into no man's land and there was there was Acres of space to find somebody, and you actually heard Ange because I think he was shouting Joseph. I think he shouted about three or four times, and he was utterly
3: raging.
4: You think to yourself, well, he can't be as wasteful as that. So, I'd rather Mm. have somebody who gets into that position and is more productive. And one of the more productive players is Ralston, yes. And and he can play, you know, Mm -hmm. he can actually play anywhere if if you think about it. You know, he just knows he's pretty confident now. I was
3: surprised with Juranovic because he's a he's a technician. He is a technical player, and you've seen a lot of that. Mm. So comfortable with the ball at his feet, you've seen him striking uh, from distance before he came to Celtic. You've seen what he can do with a penalty kick. He, he is a technical mm. player, and I was mm. surprised that he can't he can't cross the ball. Is it because yeah. he's on? You know, he, he's been <laughs> thrown into that that position. It would be interesting because I don't think we've seen it yet with Juranovic and Ralston down the right hand side. Um, other, you know and on the flip side with Ralston by uh, in front of them. So that that would mm-hmm. be an interesting one. Jim, what's your take on Mo- the muffet thing? I, I remember a story I read um Tommy Burns was talking about the leak the sorry the Scottish Cup final of 1995 where we beat Ayr 1-0 nothing and he said that he almost threw Paul Byrne into that game. Now, I'm not comparing players, I'm comparing scenarios. And his reasoning and his rationale behind it was sometimes, and this was his experience as a player, you've bought into either not taking for granted, but knowing the chances are you're going to start the game or you're going to be in and out around the squad and there's a chance you might start the game. He says sometimes a player who has almost checked out of that way thinking when thrown in, doesn't have the same issue of preparation in terms of the the mental side of the game. And you can throw him into a game and he plays with more kind of free will, etc. And he was very close to starting Paul Byrne, who Mm. hadn't played, if you look at the wiki, he hadn't played leading up to that game. I think, you know, if Moffat was to start, fair play to him. Because, you know, I know it was a cameo appearance, but he did what he was told. He did what he was uh, asked to do by by Ange. Would it surprise Mm. you if he was to start the game on Sunday?
5: It's hard to second-guess. And you said Tony there. Not if you're Declan coin votes, no. He knows exactly where he is. Got him tapped. Got him <laughs> tapped. <laughs> uh, now, I'd be very surprised if he played more of it, yeah. I think uh, there's, there's players ahead of him in the pecking order. Uh, I think just give the lad a bit of time. I think it'd be a huge surprise to throw him in, in that kind of game. Uh, loads at stake uh, as well. I think there's people ahead of the queue. For him. Uh, it looks a bit slight as well. I guess a young guy coming into the team. I, I'd, be, I'd be very, very surprised prize if he throws him in on Sunday.
3: He's so young. It was his dad who was tweeting about him. That's how young he is. You know, his dad was tweeting Mm. about him and that was tremendous to see as well. Mm. Uh, Martin Bickett, gee, Jim, a ticket. Mm. Yeah, Um. you're right, Martin. Gee, Jim, a ticket. Has anybody out there got a ticket for Jim Or He will be hanging around Hamden looking for a ticket on Sunday. My my Um, silent protest starts now. (laughs) There we go. Uh, We're talking about this never say die attitude, some might call it metal. Uh, there's a great video kicking about. I'm amazed at how quickly these things are put together. I've got to say, I've seen it on the Patriot Games Twitter. The Patriot Game joined us for the fundraiser for St Mary's, uh, and I've seen it on their Twitter. So what they've done is they've got the the move leading up to Ralston's goal, and they've they've basically dubbed the uh, Ange Postacoglu training session where he, he was talking, and honestly it works perfectly well. And I remember after that training session where where they mic'd Ange up and there was a lot of people saying, what's he saying that's any different from amateur football and all this kind of stuff? There was quite a lot of discerning voices around about that particular video, you'll remember. But when you watch that goal and you listen to the dialogue from that training session, it is absolutely to a T what Mm Ange has been trying to implement from day one, Tony. A lot of people reckon it's basics, but it seems to be working. This mentality, this this drive that he's put into this side,
4: it's the we don't stop mantra, isn't it? You know, I, people were quick with the memes. And one of my favourites was, uh, uh, "Past of a it's a wonderful life." You know, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings, and somebody put up every time Anthony Ralphson scores, an apprentice bricky gets a rise. <laughs> and, and there's just some clever clever people out there. It's, it, And I I wrote it, I I borrowed it yesterday and I wrote, it's a wonderful life if you're a Celtic supporter at this minute. And that's stemming from the manager, this we don't stop mentality. And that mantra was in evidence the other night. With 10 men, they were still relentless. Mm -hmm. They were pushing forward. You know, they were trying to win the football match, which they did, because even the players realised a draw's not good enough. A draw could be severely costly. And do you know what? See if they hadn't won the football match, I don't think they could be faulted. Because they gave it their all. And and you know, they they were they were pushing and pushing and pushing and, and, and somehow they dug it out. And I, and that's what the manager's been telling them since day one with the mic's up session. We don't stop. We don't stop, we keep going, we celebrate when we win and then we go on to the next one and that ended. To the players, all the players to a man are bought into that, and that was that was evident the other night. And that that's a, that is a pivotal goal in the season, you know. Then, as Jim said to the start, the narrative could have been so so different. You could be sitting like that, getting in this cup final and all oh, worrying about stuff, but you're getting in there with your chest puffed out and you're pretty confident that you can win, but you have to earn the right to win. In all cup finals, and you can never underestimate your opponent in any game. So you, but if you turn up and you're professional, then there's every reason to suggest that Celtic can win. But that whole we don't stop, mantra, so it Just it's it's become kind of you know synonymous with hands now, hasn't it? I think what was good about the other night was the
5: fact I thought I picked the right team, made the right substitutions, everyone played well, everyone got stuck in and if we hadn't scored the goal, it would have been hugely disappointing, but I'd have thought, well, you know, these things happen, whereas there have been other games earlier this season where you thought we've passed teams to death, you know, we haven't looked at scoring goals, whereas the other night, actually, they did really well and if we hadn't won the game, I'd have still felt we've done really well and I wouldn't be that that down on the manager or that down on the team. I just thought these things happened, but that's what I thought was good about the other night, and you know, because I thought once Stafie went off, oh, you're thinking about is, is he going to be on Welsh now? And he thinks, no, no, we'll just go through at the back and we keep going for it, and uh, it was great, it was really good, and got that kind of just else at the end.
4: Had they drawn that, it was a, it was a, diff- it would have been a different feeling to the Livingston and Dundee United games, Jim, as you say, because they did mm-hmm. try, they would have gone down. Well, they would have drawn fighting basically, mm-hmm. but they absolutely they, they just refused to to draw. Basically, yeah. the big the big thing for me watching the
3: game, uh, Tony, and reacting to the game is the fact that you're you're still in the emotion of the match as a as a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and afterwards, I think there would have been the the expected disappointment, and I think the comment section would have still reflected that disappointment. It probably would have been come the Monday or the Tuesday bulletin where that kind of view that you've Ooh. just given there would have started to filter in you know what, it wasn't that bad a, a performance. The, the you know, Going down to 10 men was, was massive, etc. We didn't quite get the goal. We should have had a penalty. That's the kind of discussions I think we would have been having on the Monday or Tuesday. And on that note, talking about we should have had a penalty, everybody now knows I've got my black book here with my seven sending offs that never were. Um, how big a part do you think the officials are going to play on Sunday, Jim. We shouldn't even be having this discussion, but it's been so poor this season. We know that Beaton's the man in charge. I think we either come up against weak officials or just poor poor officials or a combination of both. Some of them are weak. I thought the official Wednesday was particularly poor. I mean, his decision-making was non-existent at times. And I think the ref that we have on Sunday is a poor referee. Yet he is getting one of the biggest games in the Scottish calendar. I think
5: everything comes from the top. I wasn't on last week after the Crawford Allen fury. That was a shocking thing to say. His position's untenable, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I look for things like uh, referees to be accountable and transparent and consistent. So this guy comes out and has a go at one of his own referees, one of his own linemen for him. A 50-50 call against Celtic. So where was he? For all the ones in your black book, where was he for all the other teams as well? You can't come out and say that and then go and hide again. And I thought this was an opportunity for Celtic, a real opportunity, and and other teams should they feel the same way to just bombard this guy, just hound this guy. Basically, mm-hmm. every time it's a bad decision because the Turnbull one forward that his comments. They should have written to Crawford down on that Monday. Give us a comment about us. He commented about that one, and the next one that happens gives a comment about the penalty kick. The late gives a comment about that. You keep doing that, and you keep doing that, and you keep doing that because. To me, I think we've got ridiculously poor referees. These are all the top-level referees, and most of them are pretty hopeless. To the extent now it's got to the point where, what was last week? Motherwell, was it Sunday? Sunday, yeah. You go to the game, because kind are of expecting bad decisions to be made. Not because they're biased, not because it's a conspiracy theory. They're just awful. And then in the first 10-50 minutes last Sunday, some awful decisions, poor, poor decisions. And what was laughable last Sunday was the Motherwell manager was complaining about the free kick that led to the goal. And essentially what he was saying, basically, is the ref let our players kick them off the park. So we kicked him again, he gave a foul. I don't understand that because that's inconsistent. That's basically what he was saying. Because that's how poor the mm-hmm. referee was. And that's and that's now the mentality of managers. We can even kick you off the park, but if you give a foul against us, we're going to complain about this, you know. And then with Malky McKay moaning, and with, with Nielsen the another day as well. I, I just... It goes from the top, and the whole system needs changed for me. And I've said before that, you know, if Tony Haggerty wants to be a referee and takes the course, he can go and watch Celtic one day and then referee them the next day. That's just a completely bonkers system. And we need somebody different at the top. That? We need somebody who's not Scottish. We need to maybe go down to England and get an a, a ex-referee down there, a Dermot Gallagher or somebody like that, come up here, implement, you know, modern ways of thinking whatever they do in referee world, if we're going to have VAR coming in, we want people who've actually been used to having having VAR. So for me, it starts at the top. And some of the decisions this year have just been ridiculous. Inconsistencies is actually in games
4: yeah.
5: all the time. So you're watching this and there's, at the top end of the league, there's, there's, there's tens of millions of pounds at stake. At the bottom end of the league, there's maybe millions of pounds at stake if you if you get, if you get relegated. Um, no matter what level of football you play, if you put an amateur and the referee's hopeless, then it spoils the game you know because he don't know what he's going to do next and I just think that the referee is, is so so poor and there's no accountability you know the other night if it ended up one each and we never got the penalty that had been the talking point basically once again mm-hmm. uh, a big decision has went against that, a huge decision and in fact just as we did play on could we get the goal because who knows we might missed the penalty so there's your, <laughs> there's your karma
3: <laughs> uh, especially so, if Juranovic took it because he was having a howler that night
5: so, I, I, I just think that it's, it's so poor, and I'm not saying it's so poor against Celtic, but if you're looking at it with a
2: mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details.
5: I still to stay in mind. You're looking at the games that we've been involved in and I think Angie's been too quiet. I understand why he doesn't want to look as if he's making excuses, but there's ways of saying things for me. I think the first one I'm in your black book was a holiday tackle mm. at the start of the season. Uh, I know it's difficult when you've lost a game to come out and say something because it sounds like sour grapes, but after the game, Angie should to come out and said, you know what, I've been coaching in Australia, I've been coaching in Japan. See there, that's a red card. And you tell me that's not a red card here. Because if it's not a red card, I'll get my players to tackle like that, because it's not a red card. Then you put other people on the back foot, you're getting them to explain themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's easier to, to make the points when you've won a game. And you should have come out the other night and said, I don't understand why Carl Stauffer gets sent off. I don't understand where somebody can be elbowed in the nose, goes down with a head injury, is bleeding on the park, the referee doesn't give a foul, doesn't stop the play. That's completely reckless refereeing for me. He's put the players' uh, health in danger. Like uh, Total incompetence. So I don't have an issue with Ange posing that question. I don't have a, Ange, uh, an issue with Ange posing the question Is see if a player puts two hands up and hits the ball away, is that not a penalty in this country? Just so I understand this moving forward. Mm-hmm. And you keep putting people on the back foot because if you don't see anything, nothing's going to happen. And I'm sure other teams have got the same issues as well. Because they are so incompetent. And if you're a St. Johnson fan, the guy juggles the ball with his hands last week and scores a winning goal. So if you're a St. Johnson fan, the first thing you should be doing is saying to the St. Johnson board, get to Crawford Allen. We want some we want some guidance on that because basically you can't you can't turn around and say, Make one comment and then get back into your bunker and say nothing. That's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an opportunity for Celtic. And then the other team, you know, it could be from Ibrooks, it could be from St Johnson St man whoever to say look this isn't good enough because you know what it's going to affect them as well at some point in time so that's a yeah. bit of a rant there so I, a
3: rant. I don't think it was a rant and, and you're right about other teams Dundee, Hearts and Aberdeen have all spoken out at various levels of the club, about the refereeing decisions. And when you're talking about what Crawford Allen did, he set a precedent for himself. Great. Like you say, yep. he's then just, you know, he's done that Homer Simpson thing right back into the hedge. Yep. And, yep. and now he's ignoring the scenario. What frustrates me about it, Jim, is I think that for too long as a club, we haven't taken these opportunities to stand up. You know, I looked at the previous CEO and Peter Lowell, and we know find well the, the points I'm talking about Jim because we've spoken about them on a the podcast moments where he could have stood up and, and, and was counted as a uh, representative as the, the figurehead of Celtic Football Club and he failed to do it I think in a very short time that Don McKay was in charge there were opportunities for him to do it We mm-hmm. think about the, the ticketing situation at Rangers for example stand up for the club and now Michael Nicholson has an opportunity to be that figurehead and they fail time and time again and, and I don't, I don't know,
5: know why. Sorry, so, in there, I think now because of COVID, we're now hitting another point where interesting. What they do because at the AGM, Bankier talked about when the the two games it cancelled. and he was saying, "Well, what can I do? Well, you stand up for the club when you do something because it wasn't <laughs> Celtic's fault. Ball and is an idiot. So you know, if you want, you can hang him out to dry. You know, it wasn't <clears> us; it was him. You know, punish him, fine <laughs> him, whatever you do. But you're not going to cancel two of our games. That's what you do. You stand
3: up. And for him to say that at the AGM, what was I meant to do? Do your job. Stand up for the best interest of Celtic football club. Yeah, eh? You'd you think that was obvious to someone in his position. Now, so, yeah. Jim brought up Carl Starfield, Tony, and I cannot go through this bulletin without bringing him up with yourself. I'll give you my take on this, right? What I was frustrated with wasn't the fact that... Um, <coughs> You know, it wasn't the fact that he ended up getting sent off, uh, it was the fact that he lost his composure. And and I spoke about Zhiranovic losing his composure against Dundee and Joe Hart having to manhandle him back into the net. Joe Hart had a word with Staffelt, that's what fr- frustrated me. Should he have got booked, never in a million years did I suggest or would suggest that he should have got booked. For his protestations, absolutely not. He said his face um, elbowed, his nose is all over his his face. And you can understand his frustrations. But my frustration with him was that lack of composure. We know that any opportunity uh, an official gets, you know, he's going to give you a yellow. And then he's on a tightrope and he fell off the tightrope later on. So that's where I am. No, he shouldn't have got booked. I just wish at that stage of his career as an international footballer who should know better, show a wee bit of composure. And I I used um, Beaton as an example because he was similar at the beginning of the season against Mitchelland, where he's got in about the guy's face and he's given the referee a decision to make. So it's not even a a dig at Scottish referees on this occasion because that wasn't a Scottish referee. But he's given the the ref a decision to make and that's what Starfield did. It was the wrong decision um, to give him the yellow card, 100%. But, you know, maintain that composure. And I'm sure Joe Hart's had a wee chat with him since then as well, because he was the man, he was a peacemaker, if you like. Yeah. Tony, on reflection, because I've already mentioned in the heat of the moment and you talk about a game, it's different. I noticed that last week, speaking mm-hmm. about the Motherwell game after the event, retrospectively watching it, knowing what the score was, and uh, you do get caught up in it. What's your take on it a couple of days later, the Starfelt scenario?
4: I agree that he shouldn't have been booked. I, I, listen, if the referee sees that, he's clearly not seen it. And again, getting back to inconsistency, he's not seen it. So all he sees is Starfield lying, crying, greeting on the floor and giving him abuse. But he should, be, he should be helped out by either assistance on that. I still don't think it was a particularly malicious elbow. He got caught. And my, like you, I was just a bit annoyed that Jordan White was brought on to rumble Carol Starfield up and Carol Starfelt just bought it. He get ragged all by Jordan White, and he gets spooked, and he just lost all everything. He lost his composure. He lost everything, and it could have cost Celtic in the end. I still, don't think he deserved to be booked, sitting down with blood pouring from his face. The game should have been stopped. There is health issues there. And looking back, yeah, I see that now. But at the time, it didn't look particularly bad. I don't it's not one of them. He's kind of caught him somewhere there. I agree he's caught him and he's took a sore one. But I was saying he should be a bit more robust in the challenge. You know, he, this guy was sent on to do that, to put him right off his game and he did that. And I don't think he deserved a second yellow card either. I've got to be honest. I don't, it's a foul. But I don't think it was, I mean, he, he, he catches him a bit, but it's not enough to make the guy get down the way he did. Uh, but he got sent off because he was in the referee's mind. I mean, Joe Hart's had a boot him while he's lying on the floor. Mm. I him as a, shut up. You know, mm. you're talking yourself into bother here. Uh, but he kept going on and on and on. And that's what I was annoyed about. Starfield don't like seeing Celtic players lying there with, with blood in their face. And the game should have been stopped. But you're relying on your totally inept officials to see that, and I've not seen a lot, that season when it can turn Celtic as you've got the, the black book of sin. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, he just lost his shape for me and he lost his discipline and it could have caused Celtic dear. So I was more annoyed about that. Glad, gladly didn't. But I just think that, you know, it was agricultural stuff from Ross County who put on a big centre forward to terrorise your defender. And Carl Starfield allowed himself to be spooked and terrorised by that, and then his whole his own game went to pop because of it. And I think that's what Joe Hart was trying to tell him, you know. And I big up Joe Hart for that, but I don't think Starfield deserved to walk. But again, I don't think you can add anything to to Jim's rant. Quite succinct, saying everything that I guess we're all thinking. It's just it's the the standard of referees just been absolutely abysmal. And I can't film conspiracy theorists I'm mm. no this or that. They're just awful They're for every club. But because we've got a Celtic state of mind, we're watching Celtic games, so we're picking out. But every fan who's watching their team has a litany of decisions. They must. And, it, and, it, and whenever it comes to talk about referees, it always becomes a Celtic Rangers thing. Where are Aberdeen and Hearts and Motherwell and Hibs to complain about officials? They're doing their clubs as well, as Jim says. Mm. It's not just Celtic and Rangers, but it always gets turned into that. And it always gets turned into that you're paranoid. You're not paranoid. You're just talking about <laughs> officials being utterly hopeless and no There's a fa- film
5: there's a film called Rollerball a few few years yeah. ago. It's like organized violence on the sports field. And, and if I'm if I'm Carl Staff at Starfield, I'm thinking I'm just playing rollerball here, basically. <laughs> and I think it's dead easy if you're sitting on the couch watching the game at home and saying, come on, you, you calm down. He's been, he's been elbowed. I mean, it's, it's an accidental elbow. I mean, it's not a yellow card. It's, it's, it's not a red card. But it's a fool. I mean, he's elbowed hmm. the guy in the face. He's lying in the deck, bleeding over the turf. And the ref's waving play mm-hmm. on. That's totally and utterly reckless. And then when he has like an Amadi, at the, ref, <laughs> the ref usually just said to him, look, son, I'm sorry about that. I should have stopped the game. What did he say? I don't know what he said. But I don't think he said anything to calm him down. You no. know. And I understand stuff, And I I kind of you know, people have given Stafford a hard time. I, I think he's been a very, very good signing. and I think he was okay the other night. And obviously as you said the big guy got ah. on and rumbles him up a wee bit. But if you're playing a game of football and somebody elbows you in the face and you're lying on the ground bleeding over the tough and the referee thinks it's acceptable to play on, you'd be going mad as well. You'd be going absolutely off your head. You know, so I I I'm I'm going to cut the big chap from slack and I think you should never have been booked for that because he was making these points. You should have stopped the game. Yeah, you know, I'm bleeding over the turf here. You haven't stopped the game. And the referee should said, Sorry, son, you know, and took in some of the heat out of the thing. He didn't mm-hmm. book some, but just exacerbated that. And then the fool that he got sent off for. there's a full similar to that against Rogic. not long before that. He didn't book the guy for that. So, again, inconsistent and incompetence, oh. you know. And uh, so, you know,
4: we well, you see, Jim. I watched the mother will players kick Celtic players with. Absolute impunity on Sunday, and the ref either spoke Mm. to him or just waved him away. Starfelt's second yellow. It's a joke. Mm. You're right. The guy bundles himself to the floor and he he sent him off because he's been annoyed at him for. And and I get why Starfelt's annoyed. Of course it is. I've had my Mm. nose broken three times in a football park. I know how that feels. So- well, that, that's the thing. Donny Boy agrees
3: with Jim and um, you've ever taken an elbow. In the, well, if I play football, hard not to take an elbow in this week. But I'll tell you one thing um, with regards to that. When Jim says something and he, and he says it succinctly and he says it thoroughly, he then apologises for going on a rant. I don't think it is a rant, Jim. I think that you, you've covered all bases. My biggest issues with regards to this is the player safety aspect. Yeah. Now, you look at the our injury list. We're, we're struggling to play someone on the right-hand side if Kyogo doesn't make it on Sunday, mm-hmm. right? We're either going to play somebody out of position or we, you know, in fact, we will be playing someone out of position uh, on the right-hand side and that's because we've got a long-term injury to Dembele and it was one of the worst tackles I've seen in a pre-season friendly that I think broke his ankle. He's still out. Mm-hmm. You've got James E. Forrest uh, battling back from injury. Mm-hmm. On the left-hand side, we've, we've got Jota who's out. So, for me, it's all about protecting our players. And yeah, I do look at it from a Celtic state of mind because that's the team I watch, like you say, Tony. But I just think there's going to come a point. What if someone comes into the side, they're playing outstandingly well, they're a great prospect, and they get their leg broken because the referees are so mm-hmm. poor um, and stamping down on, on some of these horrific challenges. that we've You've only seen. got to look back to the
5: Turnbull tackle against Dundee United. Yeah. And it's the fact that if saw that and gave a yellow. It'd be different if he didn't see it and I said, I didn't he see it? He saw it and thought that was a yellow card. And what I've said before on the podcast, this is a retrospective thing, that that, that system doesn't work because basically, similar to my penalty idea that the punishment doesn't fit the crime. And what I said last time is that, you know, situations like that for me is when those two teams play at each other again, then you withdraw one of their players at the point in time you should have been sent off. And that then gives you the advantage back. But the point you're making there about that tackle, that tackle mm. could have ended Turnbull's You know, football career, full stop. What's the repercussions for the referee who missed that? Nothing. That's the issue. And that gets back to the referee again. Mm -hmm. Because by missing that, that's gross incompetence. And the point you made there, Paul, is that puts players' health in danger. You're not competent to be standing in the middle and keep in control of these 22 guys. Therefore, you're demoted to League One, or whatever it is for three months. Or that's one strike against you. You do another retro thing like that again, then you're getting demoted. So there is no consequences to that. And that goes back to the system again. You've got a refereeing system that allows that to happen. You know, incompetent referees, refereeing more and more games, winding more and more fans up, you know, managers up, players up. You know, it's like ever decreasing the circles. They're problem. Crawford Allen is your problem no, yeah. <laughs> because whoever sits at the top of that is overseeing a system that's yeah. clearly not working. So you then say, well, who can change that? The SFA aren't going to change that. Why would they? The only people who can change that are the clubs. So clubs have to say something, but clubs don't say anything. <clears throat> and you're a big Ange saying, "No, well, we don't complain, we just go with the game. Laudable though that is, you can't keep doing that. You have to, you know, bring these things up.
4: The other night, did you not mention something about people throwing obstacles in my way? Something. It was the first time I kind of never specifically touched on referees, but it was a kind of obtuse hint at it. Mm-hmm. I would need to look at it, but I'm sure he, he kind of had a a slight kind of you know pop at it because he, he he mentioned something, but I would need. to... Go back and I think also Tony, unless you've been specific <laughs> about things, that's just yeah, know you that. know,
5: that's just like whistling in the wind, you know.
4: Yeah, I get I get that too. But it was the first time I'd heard them maybe make re- any kind of reference to it at all. And
5: that's why I said just to be back to the one about the holiday tackle that's on Paul's list there. All you had to do was come out and say, "Is that not a red card in this country?" Just so I know moving forward, because if one of our players gets sent off for a tackle like that, I'll be on you like a ton of bricks mm. because that's obviously not a red card. And then you've then you've marked people's cards. Mm-hmm. at the start of the season but by not saying anything you know Paul's book is now up to seven or eight instances. since you <laughs> can say that's happened that. and maybe if something had been said at the start maybe that wouldn't have happened and it will continue to happen until somebody says it doesn't have to be a Celtic person that says mm-hmm. it It could come from the other side of the city it could come from Aberdeen mm-hmm. but somebody has to say something and I thought him making that comment completely out of the blue the other week you're thinking there's your opportunity there you go because what mm-hmm. you're looking for is consistency yeah. We're going to comment on that. What about this? And what about this? And and have all these clubs just lining up. Say, so what about this?
3: You know. I agree with you, Jim, 100%. And I hope that on Sunday, uh, during the match day, which I'll be doing with Laura, uh, hopefully others, we won't be talking about decisions that have gone against Celtic uh, or decisions that the ref got wrong. Looking forward to the game. As I say, we will be covering it. Have we got a ticket for you yet, Jim? Anybody got a ticket for Jim? Remember, you can DM us, you can get on the social media, let us know if you've got a ticket for Jim or he will be outside Hamden looking for one on Sunday. Um, Overtime. Excellent, thanks for getting involved Paddy uh, you are a loyal follower of Axom thanks everybody who's in the comments section and watching us and supporting us um, and we will continue to go right up to I think the 23rd on the bulletins and then we'll have some pre-recorded stuff for your enjoyment over the Christmas period as well that we'll put on the channel at 12.30 all that's left for me to say is the two gentlemen who have appeared on here with me today Jim Moore and Tony Haggerty thanks for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind <laughs>